Danny, welcome. Um, for those of you who don't know you, who are you, Danny? What, who, who is Danny? Tell us about yourself. So, I am Danny. Uh, I've been coming to Aaron actually four years exactly to the day today. Four years today? Yep. Amazing. So, it was our first service was uh, Thanksgiving four years ago. So, that was amazing. Wow. Um, um, how, did you, how did you just turn up four years ago? Well, I've known about Aaron for years. Like, I went to school with uh, Ruben Harson. Okay. So, I'd, I've known about the church for, for years and years and years. But four years ago, my wife was having a conversation with someone she worked with, uh, and she said about coming to church. Because we were, well, we were going through kind of figuring out being young parents. Uh, my son, I've got two boys, and my son, Freddie, was probably about eight months, nine months. And the kind of effects of having your first child was kind of coming to us. Yes. So yes, we were like we, really struggling. Yeah, yes. yeah. You think it's going to be really like amazing and then you just realise how tired you are and how skint you are and everything else. So, so, so those conversations led you to just turn yeah, up one she, Sunday morning for Well, she said to us, like, you should come down to church. Like, it's full of these nice people and it's great. And I kind of knew everyone anyway, like a lot of people. So I thought, well, like, it's easy for me to come in because I'd been into church a few times in school. So yeah. it was kind of like an already familiar environment. Okay, we'll, we'll come back to the story of how you kind of yeah. got to know God to some extent. Um, tell us about your, your childhood growing up. What was that like for you? So I come from a completely non-Christian background. My, I, I live with, with my mum, my sister and my dad. Uh, we, we grew up in Littlehampton, in Rustington, but there was no talk of church in my house at all. My mum is an, an incredible woman, has worked in the nursing industry for you know, 30 years, so she was out a lot doing a lot of night work. Uh, my dad is a more colourful character. He, uh, he had a car accident when he was 14, so he got hit by a Land Rover when he was riding his bike. Oh, wow. Uh, and he was in like a coma for like four months and severe brain damage. And they said to him that he would basically never come out of this coma. And if he did, he would pretty much just be staring at the ceiling kind of thing. And he did, he came out of it and he, he learned to walk again, he learned to read again, he learned to speak. But with that came a lot of brain trauma. So he's not the best at dealing with kind of emotional situations. And again, having children, I think, really threw him out of loop. Most people, when they have that kind of something happens to them, they might seek counselling or they might seek medical help. But sure. uh, he, he preferred the, uh, the fine arts of alcohol and drugs. So uh, he, he was a real, you know, he's like a bit like a Je Jekyll and Hyde character. He's actually one of the nicest guys you'd ever meet. I tried to be kind. That's one of my biggest things. And all my, well, a lot of my kindness comes from him. He was like one of the only people I used to see, like, if it's you know, absolutely tipping down with rain, he would be the one I see stop and take the old deer, like, halfway across the county to get home. Like, he was a really good guy. So do you think you learned some of that from him? I thought, well, I'd, I had the good things. Yeah. And I probably learned a lot of bad things as well, but we're, <laughs> we're working on that. Uh, so, yeah, we, we didn't, instead of kind of my life when I was growing up was dealing with my mum being at work in the evening and me turning off the, the frying pan that he'd left on with a bacon sandwich that was on fire because he'd passed out due to taking so much drink and stuff. Okay. And whatever else he'd left on uh, the old TV in the middle of the night. And, and then you know, they come down to the next morning and he, you know, with, with severe brain trauma, plus all the antidepressant tablets he was on, and then throwing a bottle of Jack Daniels and whatever else was in his system at the time. You know, he had a lot of anger, so... It was tense, you know. We, we would come home and a lot of it was spent figuring out if we were going to get a, a clip around the year or, or, you know, a little worse or, or, uh, or have a really good day because the good days were fantastic and he was, he was amazing. But just because of the, everything that happened to him and he hadn't had an easy life either. You know, I mean, his dad was quite hard and 
so he just didn't know how to get through life. So, Okay, so that obviously had um, a rather large impact on you. And like you said, you've learned some good things from that and some bad things from that. Yeah. So, um, so talk us through your journey of faith. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier that um, during school you'd been into church. What, what, how did that come about? What was that like? I think it's just because I, when I was young, I, wanted, I played in bands. Like, that's how kind of... I wanted to be like the next Johnny Rowan kind of thing. So I'd, I'd, I was playing in bands and like when I realised they had a good band on a Sunday morning, like Ruth said, come down and watch. And that's kind of why I came down. And then I remember coming down and seeing people do like the sermons and the preaches and just being absolutely blown away by like... And I'd always been interested in an idea of like a God. I think it was probably a lot of the time hoping that I was going to get taken away from like getting a beating. Do you know what I mean? Like it was... Okay the idea that there was something that could change it but I, I didn't have any particular like I didn't it, I didn't care if it was Christianity I didn't really I, I just the idea was something there was a film there's a, there's a comedy film called Dogma uh, which is kind of very very loosely based on some form of faith and yes. he said in there that uh, it didn't really matter what kind of faith you had it, as long as you had a faith or something and that was kind of how I based it on it as long as I was good and I believe in something, I would end up somewhere. Okay, so you had kind of some basis for morality and a, and, and a faith in general, but you didn't really have a, an idea of what that looked like. No, okay. I just, I was always searching, but when I, when you're young and that young, and I had no response, so I moved out when I was probably 14 years old to my, my girlfriend's house at the time, and I was just, I didn't, I, I searched and was kind of just going out and just escape. That was my whole thing as a kid, it just escape. So I would go to school and, you know, people kind of just knew me as this kind of loud person that talked a lot, quite scruffy. Uh, but it was just about escape. I didn't want people to know about what was going on at home. No, none of my teachers knew. I've had friends that have been friends with me up to this day and they barely know some of the stuff that happened. So what, time did you, what, what age were you when you moved out? When I moved out to my girlfriend, I was probably 14 years old and she, I moved into a place in Littlehampton. Uh, and that, yeah, again, that was just a crazy house. That ended up being a place where, like, there was heroin being dealt with. And, like, I used to walk over in the morning to school and people, like, passed out on the floor, like, just because uh, her stepdad was really into drugs and stuff again. So it kind of felt like I moved from one kind of nutty place to very much another nutty place. But that other place, they didn't talk to me. So it was kind of, like, fine. It was more safer, do you know what I mean, in a sense. And, and through all of that, through, through moving out, through uh, being at your girlfriend's, through seeing that kind of stuff, you still had some sense of a God or a faith or something? Or just, at what point did that, did you come to an understanding of that? Probably not until I met, until Jodie told me to come into church at 24, right. or whenever it was. Just because I, I'd always wanted to escape, I wanted to get away, but when I was old enough to drink, I very much followed the kind of path of my old man. So, do you know what I mean? On a, on a Friday night, I could quite easily go out and play a gig or watch a gig and disappear for three, four days. And that was my idea of escape. And it was only when I had kids I realised that's very irresponsible. And, and probably when I met my wife and she was, you know, not like that and she was a normal person, that she kind of made me stop doing it. <laughs> I, I like the way you describe Jodie as a normal person. Well, yeah. That's, that's good. Um, so, uh, at what age were you when you first had a child? Because you said that you were a young parent. Yeah. What, what impact did that really have on you guys? I've always wanted to be a parent. Like when I was 16, when people like the careers officer, like in the school, was like, "What do you want to do?" I was just wanted to be a husband and just wanted to be a dad because for me that is not something I had. Like okay. having a normal, self-functioning family was something that I just always wanted. Like I wanted to be a dad. I wanted. So I was Jodie's a couple of years older than me. So when we got together and when we'd been together a couple of years, it was a no-brainer for me. Like I wanted my my both my parents had kids that 
20, you know, what, 21, 22. And I want, they, I, my mum was out on my 18th birthday. Like, we kind of, they grew up with me. And I wanted to grow up with my kids. So I was 22 when I had Freddie. Okay. And then Harry's two years older. Are you still growing up? Mm, yeah, <laughs> very much so. I think, I, I think the boys sometimes have more wisdom and smarts than I do. I think we all learn, learn a lot from our children. Sometimes yeah. good things, sometimes bad things. Yeah. But it's, it's a, certainly a learning experience. Yeah. Okay, so um, jumping back forwards then. So you came to church, you saw the band, you thought that was pretty cool, and you heard some teaching. What did that do for you? What did that change in you? And, and what did that lead to? It was always like this conflict of like... So when I, when I, when I came in school... I went off, like my social group kind of split, so that a lot of the guys went over to like Worthing College and I went off to try. So that was my church kind of connection gone. So I went off for five years and did, or, you know, whatever I did stuff. at that time. Yeah, we'll say stuff. Uh, and when I came back in, it was just hearing the preaching and hearing the... I remember I walked in, I just felt like it was, it was safe. Do you know what I mean? It was safe because people that I hadn't seen for probably 10 years or, or so were recognised me as, a, as I was coming in and they were talking to me and I'd now had my wife and my kid and it just felt safe. But it, it was weird because it felt very... The next couple of weeks and the next couple of months of attending church, I had, I had to really look at who I was and what I was doing because I was still at this point getting, going out with my friends and I was... I was hiding the fact that I had mental health because I'd start growing up with all the stuff of my dad, you know. He used to phone me up on the way home from school and tell me, like, well, ask me where I was so he could come and try and find me with his car because he wanted to, he would ring me up and say, I'm going to run you over, you're a disgrace, a mess, like, I hate you, you're dead to me, like, so that leaves you with some pretty yes, weird of kind of ego issues. So when I was at that age I was still figuring out who I was and my whole centre of life was, was around me like I didn't really care for other people in the sense that like I needed a pick up and people were my pick up I needed you to be my friend I needed you to like me I needed you to love me because that's what I was missing yeah. so when I came to church and I, I stopped drinking and I stopped kind of doing these you know trying to be better and I looked at these other people that were around my life now and they weren't a mess it was really difficult and I really struggled. The first kind of, I think the first four years to be honest, but the first couple of years of church, I really struggled because it, it's so calm and I find calmness really difficult. So coming, coming into here, finding something that you hadn't seen before and feeling welcome didn't immediately solve any of the conflict going on in you, didn't solve the, what you said about your mental health issues at that time. Mm. And uh, so it, it wasn't a kind of a quick fix. God it was, just changed you overnight. No, no, it was actually completely the opposite. Okay. Like I wanted to run because like even I'm, I've been married three years, three, four Please years. Please get this right. Three years. So she doesn't know as well, <laughs> so don't worry. Um, <laughs> so we've been married like, and we've been together, what, seven, eight years. And it's... It's just been so difficult, the mental health and stuff. So when I, when I came into here, it's hard enough trying to keep a relationship going and not run away. Because when I was in school and I had relationships, I would just run away because it was, it, I would want chaos. So when I came okay. here and there was no chaos, I, I wanted to run. And I, I remember doing things, stupid things, and listening to people because it was easier to deal with people kind of being... It's not disappointed, but the, you know, the, the chaos of my life. So even my yeah. wedding night, there was an amazing thing. I got placidly drunk and like offended half the people that come here and half my family. And it was, that was like so normal to me because yeah. it was, but I didn't want, I didn't want, actually the idea of marriage scared the life out of me. 
so I look back and I can see all these problems I had and, and where I was just running away and running away. And when I, when I had to make a decision, when it all came to a crash probably two years ago, yeah. that's when it kind of was like, you need to stop running or you don't. So is that the point you, you came to a realisation and said, yes, I believe who Jesus is. I believe he's the son of God. He died for me yeah. and, and I want to make a difference. Or did that come gradually over time? Well, I think I had a moment. I like Everyone has their moment, don't they? So I had a moment and... I had two boys at this point and I'd been working in care and I kind of realised that I was again doing that for my own selfishly kind of they needed me kind of thing so I stopped that and then I went into my chefing which was my other kind of biggest passion in my life and I was doing like 90 hours a week I was riding around on this little moped I had and my mental health was just getting worse and worse because I had these two kids that I was meant to like raise and, and teach about what being a man was and I had no clue myself. I, I didn't know what a man was. I had no... My, a man in my image was a, a drunk that took drugs and slapped him, you know, beat his wife up. Like, and, I, and I was scared because that behaviour is very much in me. Like, when I... I, I, I can't control emotion because you... Emotion and behaviour, you go on from what you've seen. Like, everyone picks up things from their parents. So, inherently, I've, I have to think very carefully and, and when I get frustrated and things, you know. So... Uh, when I had my kids and stuff, I, it freaked me out and I, my mental health just dipped and I remember coming here one Sunday morning and I basically told myself that, that I'd given up, I was going to commit suicide and I'd planned myself to throw myself into the Aran River and I was going to throw myself under a boat because when I realised that I was much of a wimp to, to stop it, I wouldn't kind of... Anyway, so that was the plan and I'd come to church and I was standing at the front uh, and my face was really like calm collective i was just watching the band i had freddie on my shoulders because at that point he loved watching the, the music and he was good and behaved uh, so i was standing there and i just kind of said to god like if you are a thing like you're done i'm done with you because you've done nothing for me like i'm actually my mental health's worse since coming to church uh, i don't feel any i feel i feel worse like i'm just i can't and i'm tired i feel like i've been battling this for 25 years and i'm just tired and i, I just can't do it anymore and i've always loved life but i hated living life as me so I'd given up and I'd stopped praying and literally as I stopped praying it was actually Becca put her hand on my shoulder and she said to me uh, God doesn't want you to hurt you and uh, he really loves you and you're nothing like your father and at this point I don't know if she knew anything about me I don't think she did like I don't know but at right. that moment it was enough just to be like stop think about what the plan is and just reevaluate it so you took that as a word from God directly yeah that was you. the moment I, I realised because it was everything I was saying in my head. Like I was literally in my head saying to God, I am scared of becoming my father. I'm scared of losing reality. I'm scared of the, like, losing my grip. And then as I finished saying the last words, she came over to me and said, don't, don't do that. And that was enough. And no means did that like, solve my mental health and stuff. Like it still took till now. And there's a lot of other people that have helped me with that. But that was enough to just to, to, to put the kind of breaks on that plan and just go right it's a decision to do it and figuring what a good person and what getting better means was from that moment amazing so yeah. so god broke into your life through somebody else giving a word yeah. um, and uh, and then later on you got baptized yeah i got baptized and for me that was really it was just really important because it was again just another part of me that was saying i'm gonna it was the men of aaron i went down to the men of aaron and it was a really good social event for me because one it was the pub so i felt at home uh, and it was just, it was two minutes down my road, so it was a nice way of, 
I think, getting out of the house because me and, and my wife were still buttonheads quite massively at this point. So I went down there and then I, I met Cookie, who now I live with, and I met like Nat. And it was meeting those two guys to probably that got me to where I am. I, I probably wouldn't be sane or at the level of where I am without those two guys because they, they gave me... They, asked, you know, they gave me the point to ask questions and, and actually find really positive male influences yeah. that were older in my life that I could turn to and, and I could have these conversations with. So, so looking back, do you see a pattern of what God's done in you over the last four years? Is there, is there a change, Danny? I think there definitely is a change, Danny. Uh, I, I think for me, it's just... think. I've, I, I come from a place where... There's a lot of hatred, you know, there's a lot of hatred, there's a lot of kind of sadness, um, and I just don't want that, like, and I, when, I, when, I read these, when I read these books, when I read the book, the Bible, like, it, there's this story of, like, hope, do you know what I mean? And for me, like, when I read, like, I, I feel like if I would have met Jesus back in the day, like, I would have been one of the people he would have, like, talked to, because he kind of liked messy people. Yes, absolutely. And I feel like I'm in that bracket. Like, and a lot of people I know are in that bracket. So for me, it's just about finding those people and trying to say, if I got out of it, because mental health is a really serious thing. And it's, and it's happening to so many people, so many young people I know, so many blokes that I know that are having kids and, and families. They're losing, you know, and I was so serious. When you talk about like, suicide, people kind of go like, oh, you know. But I was, it was done. Like, do you know what I mean? You'd Without that, that moment, yeah. I would not be here. And that is the 100% truth up. So God's done amazing things. So um, here we are today, 2018. What's next for Danny Wigley? Where, where's God calling you to? What do you see your future looking like? I think, like I said, like my cooking, my, my chefing, that's what I'm into now. That's my job. That's, yeah. my, that's what I do for a living. And the one thing the kitchen has taught me is that you can be as kind of rough around the edges as you possibly want. And it's an environment where you fit in. Anyone fits in. So for me, it's just about trying to take that element and and move forward so all the young kids that I speak to in my, in my kitchens talk to them about God talk to them about Jesus and, and show them who, what I think Jesus is really about and you know and my kids and, and trying to like the next generation of Wigglies be a Christian Wiggly because yeah. the Wigglies so far are known as drunks and drug addicts and people that have been in and out of jail or whatever so the, the, the plan is now to have these like family of Wigglies that are just known for Jesus and just known for being Amen. kind. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So, it's good. And, we, and we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Sorry. That's and brilliant, Danny. You obviously, you obviously got passion for telling people about Jesus. You've got an evangelist. You want to share that knowledge. Um, tell us about what you're doing next year in Rwanda. Yeah. So, another thing is like, I've, with the drinking and the smoking, like, I've been severely overweight for quite a long time because of my love of food. Uh, and I was, I'm a, I've been a smoker so I've decided that next year I'm running a marathon in Rwanda with the 4M guys. Yeah. So I've never been on a plane. I've, I went to Switzerland once, uh, and it was like a bit of a, you know, lad's holiday, so completely different. Uh, I don't like hot weather, because I'm ginger, like, and we burn. <laughs> so, and I've never run. Like, if you would have asked me, like, I've never been into sports and stuff, so if you would have asked me kind of six months ago what, uh, what, the worst thing in my mind it would have been running yeah and and much to kind of how I do things I decided one day that I was going to start running and I thought I'd run a marathon and not just a marathon in 
were then it would have to be in Africa and it would have to be this massive thing and I told my wife and she went absolutely mental because it was not planned and it was not thought about and but it's amazing because again for me I think I, it's easy to sit here and go I've had such a hard life I've had all these amazing like these horrible things happen to me and boo like kind of which you know it is difficult yeah. but for me I've not seen what it's really like and I can't I, I want to see I want to shock myself so the idea is it's, it's life-changing to the charity of, you know, going out there and, and running this marathon, which, like I said, six months ago, I couldn't even run up the stairs without possibly having a heart attack. Like, now I'm, I'm up to running races and I'm doing yep. races with you. Like, me and you went for a run, in, you know, in the woods with these really fit people and I almost died then, but... Uh, <laughs> that was fun! You did so well! <laughs> from, from your perspective, baby. Uh, but, so now I'm running and I'm, I'm doing these things and, you know... And I've got these medals on my wall of like fitness things. That's it. I've never done. I've never had that. So, so it's gonna be life changing for 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 me as a, to say like this is where I am, where I've been, and so I, now I've gone to another country and and done, seen poverty and run yeah. a, run a marathon. Like that's incredible. So at the moment I'm just fundraising and trying to and trying to sort that out. And so next week, next Sunday. Well, yeah, I was gonna do it next Sunday, but then my car blew up, so we've had to use all the stuff for that. But I will be doing some some you know stalls at the back of church and. And there'll be some. I'm hoping to do some like chef nights where, you know, we can. Uh, I can maybe cook some people some nice food or something. So brilliant. How, just, do, how do people sponsor you if they want to? So it's all on. I do it all on my social media. So I have got links and I've got cards and stuff. So if anyone want, you know wants to sponsor me, which that'd be great, yep. uh, then come and speak to me after church. And I've got all like leaflets I can you know give you and, and websites and things like that. Uh, so yeah, next June I fly out uh, to to Africa and try Amazing. and run a marathon, which would be quite fun I think amazing can we have a round of applause with Danny yeah. please <laughs> thank you so um, just before we finish um, I think it'd be great to pray for you Danny um, with, with uh, wh- wh- what your vision is and where you're going so let- let's just pray Father I thank you for Danny's story um, I thank you for his life so far and um, the change you've seen in him and the person that you've called him to be I thank you that uh, each and every day you inspire him to uh, share the good news of you, uh, to let people know who Jesus is. And um, I pray for his future as he fundraises towards his marathon, as he rises to the challenge, as he uh, determines to uh, follow you for the rest of his life. I just pray success and blessing upon him. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you, everyone. Becca.